What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dragzine Podcast. I'm senior editor Brian Wagner, and this week on the show, we've got the proprietor of Woody Mart, Mark Woodruff. Mark, what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. Just uh, finishing up the day here at work. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny that we, you know, people I think don't realize that we actually have nine to five jobs. You know, that we're not just you know personalities or whatnot. We actually have things we got to do to go racing. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, my nine to five is to talk about racing and doing stuff like that, but it's still a job and work and you got to do it. So I, you know, I can go play and whatnot, <laughs> which, you know, it, it's funny that you see a lot of racers. It's rare to not see hardcore racers that don't have the automobile as part of their life. And you actually do the whole collision repair kind of deal equipment thing, right? Yeah, we're uh, we're a automotive collision repair distributor, equipment distributor. Uh, so pretty much any of your, uh, big dealerships or, uh, larger, larger body shops, uh, we supply in the Midwest. I used to, I worked at enterprise rent a car when I got out of college and the small town I went to college in, there was a, a big dirt track, Portsmouth, uh, raceway park. And it would not be uncommon to see a dirt track car on a frame pulling machine at a body shop getting tubes pulled out at any given point when I would walk in, which I always found that entertaining. Well, you Robin's racing on that dirt series. Yeah. I, I love dirt track racing, but the problem is I'm too stupid and not rich enough to do it because you got to be working on those things six days a week. So you can go destroy them on the seventh day. Absolutely. I've, and I grew up, I grew up around uh, dirt racing and uh, a huge fan of it. Love it. Uh, have a bunch of customers that, uh, uh, still run in the series and and i follow it closely but uh, i've been i've been a few times and actually uh, one of my best friends uh ran a ump modified and we we went to a couple of races and supported them uh with the woody mart rig and uh coming out of there with my my rig as filthy as it was uh <laughs> it, it drives me crazy so i, I I'm a fan of dirt track racing, uh, but I will never be a dirt track racer. (laughs) The the OCD of dirt level just isn't going to cut it. No, no. It, uh, I was sweeping and blowing the trailer out uh, between, between uh, heat races. And uh, that's just something you don't see at the dirt track. Well, what cracks me up is uh, you'll see the dudes, you know, they'll take the cars to like car washes. And again, it's one of those things around towns that have dirt tracks. You'll see signs at the car washes that say no sprint cars or anything like that. So <laughs> yeah. That's when you know you're in dirt track country, right? For sure. But yeah, that, that's a whole different universe. Those guys, like, if you think drag racers are hard on equipment, dirt track racers just, they, they relish in breaking stuff. Oh, for sure. I mean, their their favorite tool is a half inch torque wrench. Yeah, and and hammers and whatever they could cut, grind, beat on stuff with. And it's, I, I love going to dirt track races, but it's like, man, I would have to, I'd have to have some people that really knew what they're doing to support me on this deal because I would, I'd be in a world of trouble in a hurry. Hear you. Now, it's always fun to, to kind of get racer stories, and you've been around the sport for a while. We'll kind of talk about that a little bit here and there. And I, you know, was kind of curious, I'm sure some of our listeners and watch, viewers are too, is, you know, how exactly did you get into drag racing? What was that moment that kind of led you to it all? 
Well, believe it or not, I mean, and I, I've always, my, my parents, uh, uh, my dad was a mechanic for Sears and Roebuck and my mom was a stay at home mom. And, uh, uh, my, they had me at 15 and 16 years old. So, uh, they're, they're really my best friends. Uh, they, our age gaps, not that far apart, but, uh, they were always into cars and my dad, you know, had muscle cars all the time, always was a GM guy. And, uh, it, along with being a mechanic, he would, would buy and sell and hustle cars on the, the, the weekends and the nights. Uh, and that was kind of what we did, uh, as a family growing up, uh, he would get the weekend paper and we'd go find 69 Chevelles and Camaros and El Caminos and buy them and bring them back to the shop and fix them up and paint them and, uh, uh turn them for a profit to put food on the table. So I, I grew up around cars my whole life. And, uh, I, then uh, it, I, I had uh, a friend of mine that owned a machine shop, uh, Rich Thomas, uh, senior. Uh, he was a drag racer here in the St. Louis area, and I followed him through junior high and high school, and uh, would would you know go to his shop and aggravate him and uh, help him work on the car, and then go to the racetrack and watch. And then uh, whenever I got my license, uh, whenever I was sixteen. Uh, it was probably two weeks from how I'd had my license for about two weeks and I was out with a buddy of mine and we were in a 78 Ford Fiesta, uh, a four speed, four cylinder, no air conditioning. I mean, just a plain Jane car. And, uh, we were cruising in a town looking for girls and we, we decided to move to another town and we were ripping down the highway and he's like, man, you think you can outrun the cops? And I said, well, hell yeah, I can outrun the cops. What do you mean? Uh, I'm the world's greatest driver ever. <laughs> and, and no doubt coming up Interstate 55 right by uh, I-55 Raceway, uh, uh, just south of St. Louis, we, cre we crossed the top of the hill and sure enough, there's a police officer in the middle of the highway and I am going literally as fast as this car will go. Uh, the doors are about ready to shake off of it. And that was not one of my greatest moments in my life. Uh, but uh, I decided that we were going to lose the cops. And uh, a helicopter later, a couple of cops in the ditch, uh, we, we, we got away from them, uh, found us in a field. And uh, I went to jail. And the city of Peavely, Missouri, was not very happy with uh, Mark Woodruff Jr. at that particular uh, moment in time. Uh, still have the booklet of tickets. They ran out uh, writing me tickets. And uh, I went in, my mom and dad flipped out. Uh, they, you know, they were young, they didn't have a lot of money, went and took a second mortgage out in the house, hired a lawyer, thought that my life was over. You know, I mean, I was, I was, it, it, I, I crushed them. And uh, we went into court, the lawyer showed up and uh, the judge looked at me and he said, uh, I'd like to talk to you in my chambers. We go back and the lawyer stepped up and he's like, I don't need you to sit down. And this place is packed with everybody that wants to see my head on the table. And uh, we go back in the judge's chambers and we get to talking and 
he, he starts talking about drag racing. Then, you know, we, we go back and forth. Long story short, my probation was to start a teen street stock class at I-55 Dragway. Uh, the judge threw everything out. And every Friday night, I had to go to the drag strip, bring a new friend. That was my probation for two years. And uh, that's, that's really what started my drag racing career. That's, there's a lot to unpack there. And that could have went about 10 different directions. And to say that went the most positive way possible for you is probably the yep. understatement of the day. Absolutely. No, he was a, he was a great man and uh, really, uh, really took a liking to me. And uh, it, we, we turned until the drag strip closed down. Uh, it was a very successful series for uh, quite a few years. And uh, I actually have a lot of friends uh, and friends that I made uh, by making people at school go to the drag strip uh, that, that, that I still have today. And that, that, that entire story just speaks volumes about the power of family in the automobile and getting into racing and how you can turn a negative into a positive. And that every time you do a burnout, the track, they should play the theme from cops just for, you know, <laughs> you know, just, just, just because right there, because that, 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 that's a story that I've heard a lot of racers tell a lot of stories. That's probably number one. Now that that's probably the number one best backstory. Yeah, I, I, I have, I have over 30 tickets to prove how stupid I was. So uh, it, it's definitely, like I said, it's not a proud moment in my life, but you know, it, 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 to take the positive out of the negative, it put me into uh, a sport and uh, uh, you know, the world of drag racing that uh, I've been able to affiliate myself and meet a lot of great people uh and i wouldn't change it for the world it's a teachable moment it's, it's one of those moments where you figure out where which path you're going to go down and fortunately you made the right choice <laughs> well some people made the choice for me uh but uh it, it all worked out now it's funny that rolls into the next question kind of interesting you know the outlaw racing streetcar association you know the orska is one of the the legendary small tire racing associates. I mean, it set the stage for where we are in modern small tire radio racing. You were one of the people that was right in the mix of it. What was it like racing with that series that, you know, people nowadays might, you know, kind of talk about that. Cause there's a lot of people, even myself included, don't know about the history of it, what it was like. Yeah, or Orska was, was great. Uh, you, you know, when we ran a lot of uh, smaller tracks and, and series and, and not Jackson, Tennessee had uh, three races a year, uh, 4th, Memorial Day, Labor Day, 4th of July. They would do a $5,000 to win small tire event. Uh, Sykeston, Missouri uh, would would have a True 10-5 and Outlaw 10-5 shootouts, uh, sometimes on a monthly basis or a bi-monthly deal. Ozark Raceway Park, uh, uh, the Chance family owns that now. Uh, they 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 had you know their street machine national events and their monthly uh, shootouts and we would follow a lot of that stuff locally uh, and and go do the true ten five racing my myself and uh, Justin Martin uh, Craig Ondrick 
uh, Ron Munich uh, that drives the Golden Gorilla or the Purple Gorilla. Uh, you, you know, Scott Palmer uh, would be there. Uh, a lot of Mark Mickey uh, ran Outlaw 10.5 uh, all through the Midwest. I mean, we were, we kind of all did that deal together. And then Orska came about and uh, kind of took, you know, our local guys that were either running up front or felt like we had a chance uh, to compete on a more of a national level. It gave us the ability to go into uh, that and, you know, race the guys from the South and uh, over in the, the East coast, uh, some of the Texas guys would come up and it was really cool to uh, go in. And, you know, that was the first time that kind of had all of the different areas and the players in the different areas show up and, uh, just see where you where you sat, you know, amongst the best in the business. And, and that is so monumental at that point in time, because like you said, it was kind of segmented and fragmented where people are. And you hear these rumors about these fast cars and then they'd all be in one place. And it was just there was an excitement level about that that was probably never really, you know, seen before in outlaw small tire racing. No, it, it was it was incredible. I'll never forget the 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 first Orska event we went to at Huntsville Dragway and we're going you know we didn't travel a whole lot back then and we're we're pulling in in an F two fifty with a twenty four foot enclosed trailer and a four wheeler in the back of it and uh, you know we we were we we thought we were something back then and we we peeled in here and got a cooler full of beer and that's what we're gonna live on for the weekend and. Uh, we go down the down the road and make the turn to go into the the racetrack or what we thought was the turn to go into the racetrack. You know, we're we're passing cornfields and it is bumper to bumper traffic at four o'clock in the morning, uh, waiting to get in this place. And we were just amazed that there was that many people trying to get into this racetrack. We'd never seen anything like that before. And uh, it, it was it was quite an event. One of the first big like outlaw small tire races I went to is one of the ultimate outlaw series events. And I had always been around bracket racing myself, you know, NHRA national events. But like the first time you go to one of those events, an outlaw radial event, it changes your perspective on everything because you're going to see something you normally don't see. And this is still back in the day when guys still weren't a, we'll say technologically sorted out. So there were lots of wheel stands and, and other sort of shenanigans happening that you, uh, you don't see. Oh, every run, every run was unpredictable back then. Oh yeah. Like it was unbelievable watching that totally, you know, like you said, it, it's like the first time you have a beer and you're like, oh my God, I need a lot more of this and often. That's the only <laughs> way I can think of to describe it. Uh, and, I hear you. And the personalities too. I mean, back in those days, there was probably even some, we'll say like lesser named personalities probably roaming through the pits that were just unbelievable to be around, right? Yeah, no. And, and, and you know, along with the, back up just a little bit even before Orska you know following uh, the fastest streetcar scene uh, super Chevy in Memphis or or you know any of the events that that happened down there or the the top 10 hot rod fastest streetcar 
situation, you know, we would be out street racing and following Chuck Samuels and Nick Scavo and all of them guys from Chicago with all the cool badass cars. And, you know, that, that look of that true 10 inch tire car that, that they had back then, you know, uh, Chuck's old El Camino or the Camaro or uh, Nick's Impala, Gugliano's uh, 81 Corvette. I mean, that was the stuff that I fell in love with, you know, that to made, that made me fall in love with, you know, where I feel like the radio versus the world kind of started, you know, or your true ten five, and then went into radio versus the world and, or outlaw radio. And, you know, now pro two seventy five kind of has that same flavor of a, you know, or at least I hope it stays that way to where it, 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 it maintains the, the spirit of a real car uh, and the look of that. Oh, 110%. Like pro mods are cool, but there's nothing cooler than a, like you can identify what it is, insert car here on a small tire, making a nasty lick at the track. You just, you cannot beat that with a stick. Yeah, and, 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 and even on the pro mod side of it, you know, like you said, the, the, the appeal of that looking like a real car and, and different flavors, you know, uh, I, I wish pro mod was more like Baskin Robbins instead of, <laughs> instead of Dairy Queen to where all you get is vanilla. Uh, but the, the 31 flavors would be uh, a lot better. Uh, my, my, my great friend uh, Craig Sullivan bringing out the uh, the new the new Mercury. You know, you can associate look of that car with a '49 Mercury, and that's what makes out out outside of the car being completely awesome uh, and and wicked fast. It's got a look that is second to none, and I think people people uh, are, are drawn to that for sure. Uh, we had Craig on the show and I talked to him about that when he debuted that car up at Martin and the pictures I saw of the pro mod cars there. I'm like that right there is what pro mod needs to look like. You had his car, Randy Adler's car, you know, you had Chip King's car, the, that Mustang, you know, like, Oh yeah. It wasn't all just first gen and new gen Camaros, which there's nothing wrong with, but give me some willies, give me some old, you know, split window corvettes you know give me give me those pro mods you know that's what i want for sure you know that that level of flavor mixing you know some of the 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 mopars that they have out there and you know the chevelles to me that's you could make pro mod really interesting in a hurry if you start giving people an incentive to bring those cars back i think it'll make it a better show overall oh for sure and 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 drag racing overall needs needs that i was just listening to the west buck show before we got on here and and you know that flavor between uh the nitro classes and you know your sportsman uh deal it, it they're gonna have to do something to keep people intrigued you know and i i'm i've got my nephew uh working with us now and then he's uh, also a part of uh race team you know he's he's 18 years old he had never been around any of that outside of following my my stuff but uh, we took him to uh uh no mercy with us and uh he, he's hooked you know but it 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 takes that excitement or 
people, bringing the younger people in, give them something to, to look forward to, to go see or go be a part of. And uh, it needs to be more accessible. And then we've got to come up with something that has some flair that's not a million dollars a year to run, you know. Uh, it, and hopefully hopefully they can put something together where uh, uh, that will that will play out. Oh, we're an ADD society these days. You got a million and one distractions around you and nothing is going to grab people's attention more than a loud motor running through headers or zoomies and doing <laughs> crazy stuff. I mean, you can't ignore that. At least yeah. I, I don't know many people that could ignore that, you know, but you have to make it intriguing. And th- that, that could open up a whole different can of worms and conversation there about what to do. My thought on it is if you need want something to draw people in, you, you have to set up, it needs to be heads up racing. You need a class where it's, well, affordable within reason. And you have to make the rules so unpalatable for cheating that nobody wants to do it. And it makes the cars even. That's the problem, to get people hooked into that. Yeah, and and I've always, I've always thought that the, you know, uh, like, the DXP street or whatever, uh, that, that Donald was trying to, uh, put together. It, I think it would be cool to have a claimer, claimer motor class. Yep. You know, we, we started out this conversation with, with our, our dirt tracking background, but just imagine if you could walk up and, uh, you know, the guy goes and sets the record and, uh, you, you show up to his pits and buy the motor out of his car for 500 bucks. <laughs> oh, I suggest that to John Sears. And he looked at me with this look like I, he, I could tell he said, I want to agree, but that is going to cause such a headache on so many levels. I'm like, claim a rule, put it on every part. It would, it, it, oh yeah. It would, it would be, it would be, uh, be interesting anyway. <laughs> the blower, the turbo, everything. You would you would quickly see people kind of uh, backing off some of what they do, and it, it would make it would make things interesting for sure. And and the five hundred dollar amount might be a little little on the low side. You'd, you'd still have the class fast and have it you know competitive. You, you know maybe you and, and to make it to where not just anybody could come in and you know a one hit wonder and make a make a claim uh, you'd have to make that dollar amount something that everybody could agree on you know seven thousand ten thousand something like that because let's face it you can't you can't put a you can't put a decent power plant together for that kind of money really uh not to not not that's going to live i i think that that would be a fabulous idea and it would keep people honest it would keep things interesting and it would probably quickly deplete the amount of junkyard LS engines in the world <laughs> in a hurry. Because you'd have dudes no that, that there would be guys that have stuff in it. would be like, you know, 5.0 Mustang motors back in the day. It's like, it's going to pop. So I'll just have another one ready to go. <laughs> Jam it in there. You know, split block, no problem. You'd, just, you'd, you'd be able to have a yard sale literally on the back part of your trailer or whatever blew up last time that's quasi-salvageable. Yeah, get like get like Jasper Engines or somebody to sponsor the class. You know, like it it had to be a, a or or, or it, it, and honestly the the GM crate motor the the six oh three stuff. You know that that they run in the the B mod classes and 
that, yeah. that would that would definitely be an interesting uh, uh, heads up class for sure. Oh, and what's funny is talking about that. I saw it was shared on one of my friends again, dirt track racing stuff, where there was a controversy at a local track that the season end points got all scrambled up because someone got cheating. They got caught cheating and they they got disqualified from that. And it just totally wrecked the points. And the guy owed it. He goes, Yeah, I was pushing the rules and I got caught. I'm like, right there. I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you, that right there would take and make drag racing very interesting, but it would also there there's not I think there's a lot of guys that wouldn't be humble enough to do it as well. Yeah. But I would do it in a heartbeat. If there is a somewhat affordable heads up class, absolutely. I'd, I, you know, like you said, affordable and heads up racing don't really go together, but you got to at least. No, no, they don't. And, and the, the, the times of anything being affordable uh, is uh, I think uh, beyond us whenever you start seeing $4.93 gallon gas in California. <laughs> it starts adding up quick, right? Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break here on the Dragzine podcast. And when we come back, we're going to have Mark tell some fun stories about uh, some of the things he's seen out on the road. So uh, be right back. For serious LS engine builds that demand strength and durability under extreme operating conditions, look into Comp Cam's Race XD Bushed Solid Roller Lifters. With lightweight modular design and a proprietary bronze alloy roller wheel bushing, Race XD Bushed Solid Roller Lifters eliminate the most common cause of failure with a new oiling system that guarantees consistent roller wheel axle lubrication. Learn more at compcams.com, the absolute leader in valve train technology. All right, we're back on the Dragzine podcast with Mark Woodruff. And Mark, we, we were talking about, you know, the Orska days and, you know, these small tracks you go to. And taking fast cars to small tracks and outlaw tracks is a, it's an experience <laughs> to say the least. What are some of the crazier things that you've seen happen at some of these outlaw small track events back in the day? My personal experiences or just uh, all, all over? All over, yeah. Let's hear both your own personal experiences and things where you've seen or heard, you know, verifiable accounts and whatnot. Well, one, a couple that come to mind uh, as far as my own personal experience, uh, we were at Ozark Raceway Park. 10-5 shootout. Uh, it had my 67 Corvette. Uh, it, we were number one qualifier and second round of qualifying. Uh, I got sideways, lost traction at the gear change, uh, basically drove the car into the wall, messed the front clip all up, and uh, it was it, it was a mess. Uh, we got it back to the pits and obviously with my area of expertise and what we do for a living with collision repair, you know, we're ratchet straps to the trailer and uh, on, onto the dually in the motor home. And we're, we're straightening this thing out. And Jim Weens of, uh, I believe he, he lives in Springfield, I believe, uh, uh, all, uh, pro mod driver, uh, master fabricator, uh, wizard of, uh, all different kinds of things. He's got, he's Scott Palmer's buddy. He's got this great big cannon, uh, that he would bring to, uh, the street machine nationals. And, uh, we would blow it up at like four o'clock in the morning. It was insane. Uh, Jim 
thumbs up and he's like, are we going to be able to get this thing fixed? And I said, yes, we've got a, you know, it busted up the fiberglass pretty good and stuff. He's like, I'll be back in 10 minutes. And he leaves. And I mean, he, you know, he, he was in and out. It was almost like Chris Angel. And uh, he comes back and he's got street signs. <laughs> from, I, I don't know where they came from. I don't know if there was a junk pile laying around or he knew somebody at the highway department, but the street signs showed up and we put the Corvette back together with street signs. And uh, we, we ended up racing it that way and uh, come out and won the event with, uh, uh, with, with the beat up street sign Corvette. Uh, that was, that was one that was pretty crazy. Uh, another one, uh, was, uh, Brett Kepner had a streetcar event at what was gateway, uh, raceway in St. Louis. And, uh, he would do this, uh, Wednesday night deal. And then we would do a, a monthly deal, uh, on Saturday and Sunday and, uh, quarter mile, uh dot tire type deal and we would we went over there in the the aluminum intake uh on the corvette after we switched it to twin turbos split apart the whole lid come off the top of it blew the hood off the car it was just it was disintegrated and uh we come back and i'm looking at it and my guys are like well what are we going to do we cut the lid off of it straighten the lid to the intake with the jack on the trailer. And we went from bar to bar on the front end and took two, 3000 pound ratchet straps and strapped the lid back down onto the intake and siliconed it, went back and won the event. Uh, that, that was, that was, that was a pretty entertaining deal. We were running quarter mile. I mean, that, that thing back, even back then it was, it would go 720 at, the, you know, 190 in the quarter uh, with 30 pounds of boost, but uh, let go of the button and uh, think that these ratchet straps are going to hold the sling together in high gear. Um, I'd probably rethink that today, but that was some of the dumb stuff that we did. Somewhere there's an engineer having an aneurysm hearing that story. <laughs> Just going, what, what you did? Or NHRA tech is going, wait, you, you did what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely wouldn't have passed tech. Yeah, like a, don't, don't worry, it's it's safe, ish, right? For sure. Yeah, that the racer ingenuity. It's like you know, I had Jason Lee on the show, and he talked about you know, ratchet straps and pulling stuff straight inside the trailer. That when when you need to make a round call or you're at a race, you're not there to watch. You're gonna find a way to make something work. Oh, absolutely. We uh, 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 another now that I'm. I'm going back in my mind, all of the stupid things that I've done, uh, drag racing, uh, one of the highlights of, of my drag racing career was the, the runner up, uh, finish that we had against, uh, Nova Joe at, uh, uh, no mercy. And, uh, we absolutely tore the car up every round, like cylinder heads were off of the vet every round. Uh, they were old cast heads and they were breaking and uh, we, we heard it going into the final and I had literally anybody and everybody from Dwayne Mills pit, Andrew Alipas, uh, people from Proline, uh, 
uh, Mickey and his whole crew. I mean, we had 40 people wrenching on this thing and we put it all back together to get up there to go race the, the, the screw blown GTO uh, that, that Salemi was tuning that Nova Joe won with. And uh, we fire the car up. I mean, they're waiting on us to get up there. We fire the car up and we see that the intake runner is just split wide open and it's idling like 3000 RPM. They're like, what are you going to do? And I get gorilla tape out and I just tape this intake runner up with gorilla tape. And I tell the people on the radio, we push it up to the staging lanes and we get ready. And I'm like, make sure I get Brent on the radio. And I'm like, you make sure that nobody is behind this car whenever I back up. Cause it's going to be coming in hot. And <laughs> I hit the trans brake and reverse to back up. And I mean, it, it almost wanted to burn the tires off the car because it was idling so high. But uh, yeah, we, we, we attempted to make that run. Actually, it still went four flat. Uh, we lost the race, but we, we, we made them, we made them earn it. But that, that connects some dots for me because I remember that race and I was like, man, he's, he's kind of going, going to reverse a little, little spirited there. Huh? Yeah. What's up with that? No, not typically my style, but hey, whenever uh, when you're dealt with the cards, you just got to play them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's again, it's you know you, you got to figure out a way a way to make it work one way or another, right? For sure. And you know, it's uh, it, I like it to say it this way: it's not the best solution, but it's the one we have right now that we're going to use. <laughs> I I wasn't not going to take the light uh, or put the car in the beams. I I promise that. Yeah, I, I could imagine that was probably the same thrashing like uh, Mickey and Carter had at the street car uh, at Tyler's event, where he literally drove over the crank. And I go, that, 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 and whenever you ask about other other crazy scenarios, I mean, we've we've done some stuff. Uh, you, you know, we're we're all great friends, uh, myself and Mickey and Carter, and uh, uh, we we help each other. Uh, uh, and, and have raced together for a long time, but, uh, we have made some major thrashes on the old Malibu over the years. <laughs> yeah. I was impressed with that because I remember when that went down, I was like, man, that, you know, something happened at the top end. They're driving the car back to the pits, you know, pushing it. It's literally like scraping stuff. I'm like, that doesn't sound good at that point. I was like, oh, they were literally like on the crank and you go back there, things all split apart. And I'm like, that's that's impressive, guys. Good good work. I wish I wish there would have been some media coverage there to actually take pictures. I mean, no one no one ever really got any pictures of the. They seen it after it was on the ground, but it that changed. You know, from a a transmission safety standpoint for. For Mark, I mean, uh, he he pushes it uh, a bunch now. Uh, after after living through it, it the crank and the rear journal flywheel torque converter and bell housing was literally sitting in the passenger floorboard. Oh, didn't know that. Yes, it it literally came out and sat right in front of the passenger seat of the floorboard in the car. Holy And smokes. it could have, it could have easily went the other direction, you know, and been, been his foot. So, 
uh, Martin, you know, if it's any kind of hor a high horsepower car uh, today, uh, it, and he was on me forever uh, about it, you know, that thing needs a titanium can after after experiencing that cast bell housing uh, uh, coming apart and doing that. But you know, you you live and learn, and uh, that's that's what for projects the the sport into safer direction, you know. I'm just thinking of the sheer amount of energy it took to disassemble that and that way to send that there. That that had to be one of those experiences afterwards where he had to be like, what the hell just happened? Oh, yeah. No, it, it and it that particular event, so it let me, you know, with, with everybody here and how that ended up in the floorboard, you know, the, the thing had just went 218 miles an hour when it did that. Yeah, and it, whenever it come loose, so it did that in the the shutdown, and we come back, and fifty three minutes later we have a new rear end, a new a new center section, a new carbon drive shaft, new transmission, a new engine, and got it fired up enough to get it up there to do a burnout without the front end in the car. And then come back after that round, hit the tree, uh, come back after that round and go over the car again. But I mean, we literally, we had 20 different people turning wrenches on this thing. The, the sheer balls that it took to get back in to a 5,000 horsepower race car and go 218 miles an hour on the next pass after 20 people had just worked on it, it's a different deal when he's preparing the car all week long and he's touched every nut and bolt. Uh, to go and do that, that's guts. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. guts. Yeah, that's that, that's that's another thing I didn't even think of at that point. You have all those people thrashing on the car that la last thing to pop in your mind was, hey, did Tommy tight that down enough? Uh, you're just along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, and, and at the at the particular moment, Mark wasn't thinking about that. And, and we come when we come back because they ended up making it to the final round against uh, Daniel Ferris and Andrew Lipa there, and uh, uh, it, Daniel and Andrew won. And uh, you know we we come back and we're sitting around drinking a beer, discussing what happened through the course of the night. And I said, you know how stupid that was. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, man, I didn't even think about it. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah. It's one of those things you don't think about till after the fact. I, I figured you were going to mix in a story about the, uh, the midnight rider incident, but I've already had that on the show as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was, that was, a, that was a good time. Uh, it definitely, uh, uh, I, I don't know if it won us any friends whenever he, he did that, you know, we're right in the middle of an event, and here he goes and takes a test lap uh, uh, at 1 o'clock in the morning. But, hey, it, we didn't get kicked out, so I guess it was okay. That, that, that's one of those stories where it was funny. Basically, a, uh, a pass was made well past hours or over on a track that wasn't lit or anything. And I heard that story from some of those pitted track side that they were confused because they thought someone was trying to spool a car up at one in the morning. Then all of a sudden they're like, that sounds like car staging. Oh my God, they're making a hit. 
And it's like, wait, what? Yeah, they made a pass down a dark track at one in the morning. It was that's it? not exactly true. We had we had two pickup trucks on the racetrack oh. in the in the right lane uh, with lights on the track. So it, it you know safety is our first concern. Absolutely, that that one hundred ten percent. I, I legit 100% legit now you know the, the whole thrash story kind of it, it dovetails into the next question you know it, it sounds like that they might have had to visit a woody mart during during the thrash and every racer you know you, you guys seem to have at woody mart everything a racer could ever need how, how did the whole woody mart deal start for me personally and I, I've, I've just I've been blessed in business and, and, and drag racing is my, my drug of habit. Uh, and when I go somewhere, if I get in a situation to where I need it, I don't have it. The next time I show up, I've got three of what I needed. And, and then, you know, even more than that, you know, like I said, working with Mark, uh, an M&M transmission over the years uh, and racing together, traveling together, doing that and, you, you know, help helping support Mark's business uh, with that. I mean, cause he does a lot of on track support with the, the transmission business and, you know, whether it's welding something up or a nut or a bolt or a fitting or, you, you know, whatever it may be, uh, the, you know, we, we try to, Treat people the way you know I would I would expect to be treated if if I needed something and uh, it, it I, I definitely don't like winning a race uh, and I probably lost more races by helping people than I've ever won but at the end of the day you know it's a uh, I, I love the sport and I love the camaraderie around the sport and the people that are there and and for the whole Woody Mart thing. Uh, it, it was, if we need it, we've got it. I don't want to lose a race because we weren't able to fix the car. And, and if I've got it and somebody needs it, we're going to help them. Uh, and that's, you know, for the sponsors, I've been blessed to work with some really good people that have helped me, uh, from manufacturers and chassis builders and transmission builders and engine builders and, all the all the people that have been involved in my racing career over the years, uh, you know, to be able to re represent them in a way that's good. Uh, it, we we don't we don't go out and set world records and win a ton of races, but you know we we go there and try to be supportive of of everything good in racing, and and that's what we try to do, folks. I, I wish that there was a way for you to understand when he says he brings parts to the track. When I was at No Mercy and I walked into Mark's Pit to do an interview, it looked like Jegs and Summit, like their truck kind of spilled over in the pit. I have now, never now, seen... Uh, half of that was... was So you had Woody Mart where the car was at, and then you had Mickey Mart on the... Uh, uh, the extension. So uh, just need to fill you in on all of the extra parts and the pallets and different stuff like that. Like I'm, uh, I, I run Hearts Turbos and uh, uh, Roger's a good friend of mine. Hearts is a Missouri based company. 
we delivered all of the merchandise for parts to be able to set up. So Mickey was at PDRA with his rig supporting the PDRA championship. Troy had the toolbox and all of the portable stuff at NHRA, which was going on, support the pro mods over there. And then Damon came with me, no mercy, and we set up the lean-to and uh, basically gave Damon a spot to service all the uh, M&M transmissions customers there at, uh, at the event. And then he, he, Damon's my cousin also. Uh, he was there uh, uh, racing with us. So it's, it's one big happy family. It was in, like, it was insane. I'm walking around like, I could build, like, if I had a chassis here right now, we could build a car. Like, we, we could legit <laughs> yeah, build no, a car. We, we absolutely could build a car. I'm like, uh, it was it was awesome to see, but I was like, man, that's a lot of stuff laying, or, <laughs> laying around. <laughs> well, when you need it, you need it, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. You know, you know Rodney Massengill at RPM Transmissions has helped us out before with with stuff you talk about another great guy that loves drag racing and he's been in our trailer disassembling a transmission sitting indian style and i'm like all right that's that's impressive and he's like oh well you need this this and this we could go to the shop to get it you got to do this i'm like that's that's impressive <laughs> oh yeah no they don't come much better than rodney no not not at all i mean you, you saw what he was doing at uh at no mercy helping out with uh with McCain's car and thrashing and whatnot. And it's, it's, I guess, again, it reinforces the amount of good people really have in this industry. He overdid it on the stickers. There's room for a couple more. There's a couple more. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. That, that, that whole situation, my camera guy and I were laughing. I'm like, you look at this car from the one side and it looks beautiful. You go to the other side, and it just it looks like something that was picked up from a hit and run accident. What what an amazing feat there for them guys, though. You know, I couldn't I couldn't have been more proud of them uh, to, to to go and do that. They're a great they're a great group of uh, guys. The the them two brothers uh, working together doing what they do is uh, is pretty damn awesome. And again, you talk about balls. To let go of that button after you've worked on that car, you've kind of done the old thumb job. Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much aligned. It'll be fine. And then, you know, I looked at that car. I'm like, that thing's going to crab walk. You know, he said, oh, it broke the wishbone and all this other stuff. I'm like, so basically everything that makes this car track straight has broken and you're going to make a hit. I got to watch Perfect. it. Yeah. <laughs> Full send. Yep. Turn it up. It'll be, yeah. First round of the Magic 8, you want to make it the next round. You got to change the tune up. Nope. You're gonna put all in ready to go. Like, oh my god, you guys are gonna set the night uh, the LDR nitrous world record. Yeah. I'm like, you guys are beautiful, crazy people. I love this. <laughs> well, we're gonna take another quick break. When we come back, we're gonna finish up our uh podcast here with Mark Mickey or Mark Mickey. Talk about Mark Mickey, Mark Woodruff here in one second on the Drag Z podcast. Racers building big block Chevy engines with the newest generation 20 degree valve angle cylinder heads can rely on JE's new 20 degree series pistons to get custom features with off the shelf convenience. They're available in both naturally aspirated or nitrous oxide applications in a variety of bore sizes. Check them out at jepistons.com. 
All right, we're back with Mark Woodruff, not Mark Mickey. It's telling all these stories. It gets so confusing. Too many Marks. Too too much, right? Yeah, I I, I don't have Mark Mickey money. <laughs> he, he's over he's over there lighting his cigars at thousand dollar bills. Is that is that about right? Uh, he's probably on his yacht right now somewhere. <laughs> I, I don't know. Costa Rica or something. I don't know. He's a world traveler. You by yacht, you probably mean bass boat in the middle of the Mississippi. <laughs> but my make make is a great dude another way like I said one of those great guys and you know there, there's a question i want to hit on earlier that you know you, you mentioned your 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 other corvette the uh the 67 uh I, we we had a, a fan of yours ask me that you're going to be on the show you know are we going to see that car again you know what's its status i i still have the car uh be honest with you, I haven't done anything to it other than take it apart from uh, the accident that happened at South Georgia. Uh, it, I have had discussions with Matthias Race Cars uh, about rebuilding the car. Uh, Chassis-wise, it's not hurt. Uh, it, it beat the body up all over the place. Uh, suspension damage in the front. Uh, I, I've got pretty much everything to rebuild the car. Uh, honestly, I just don't know, uh, you know, what class it would fit in today to be competitive. You know, uh, one, I, my, my son's eight years old. Uh, one thought is, is to get the funny car cage out of it. Uh, they put the factory headlights back in it, uh, like an LSA with air and, make me you know, still make it look exactly the way that it did on the track uh but make it make it something to cruise and and you know maybe eventually uh uh if he wants to go drag racing that that it would be something that he could uh, uh go race and then you know progressively change if we wanted to uh but we'll see if that's uh something that he's interested in at some point but no i'll probably never get rid of it uh it uh it was what put me on the map and uh, uh, I loved the car. I always wanted a mid-year vet. And when I had the opportunity to build it, uh, that's, that, that, that was exactly the way the car looked is the way I dreamt of it. And uh, uh, I plan on having it back at some point in some capacity. We even talked about maybe uh, putting it back together and using it as a push car, which that may that may or may not happen. That would be, yeah, that, that would be pretty much the ultimate flex. That would be <laughs> outside of, you know, the, you know, Patrick Miller towing one radio car with the other, you know, that, that was probably one of the more insane things I've seen when it comes to. A yeah. I'll, I'll probably have the body work a little nicer than what Patrick's got on the front end of theirs. Yeah. That... Uh, I'll at least, at least have it one color. That, that car, you know, you talk about those, those guys are all about if it doesn't make it go faster, we're not interested. <laughs> you know, I've seen that car literally turn into Truckosaurus doing a wheel stand shooting sparks. It, you know, the car is beat up, but you cannot deny how quick and fast it is. Oh, no, no, they're 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 complete animals uh, and and crazy fast. And uh, again, it takes it takes all kinds to make this the sport fun and, and enjoyable. And, uh, they're, they're, they're a good group of people too. Patrick told me 
that the, we're thinking about taking the turbo car out to Vegas and his words were demolish the quarter mile radial record. And I was like, fair enough. I want to see that happen. Good luck and Godspeed. That's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. They're going to have their hands full uh, with that. I believe uh, uh, who's got that now either. Cartucci. Uh, I, I think Benson jr. Has the, the radial world record with like a, a, Six, six fifty-seven, six, six, something like that. Cartuccio has been five on radials, I think. I think. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. We, uh, I'd have to pull. We were talking about that the other day. I, I think Benson Jr. has the record though. Oof. Uh, from uh, World Cup, I guess that's going to happen this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Next week. And I'm going to that. Can't wait. That's, that's an amazing event. Uh, you know, another thing I just thought of too, when you mentioned what you're going to do with the old vet, even better idea. If you're going to make it a street car, add another, add another layer to your drag racing obsession, make it a drag week car, you know, take, take your son and go on, go on drag week. And yeah, yeah. Brent and Brent has absolutely begged me to do that. And there is no amount of money on this earth that could make me drive that car for a week. <laughs> no way. You don't understand. That, that, that thing's only got a 98-inch wheelbase. They, they were not made for fat white guys to drive. <laughs> and we, couldn't get it, we couldn't get enough air conditioning in there. <laughs> you know what? After like going to drag week this year and seeing that, yeah, that that definitely. I think at that point, comfort might be a little bit of an issue. Where you're energized, it's going to be a great idea until you're driving that first 200 mile stretch, and you're going, "Why am I doing this to myself?" Have you ever sat in a mid year Corvette? I have not. That is one of the only Corvettes I have not sat in. Well, I can tell. Well, if you've even a '68 to '80 is not comfortable. Uh, but you do have a little bit more leg room in that, but uh, uh, a 63 to seven and uh, the, the, the C2 stuff is even worse. Uh, it, they're not, they're not comfortable at all. Your knees are up into your chest and there's just not a ton of leg room. In them. Um, so so what, what you're saying is my petite 250 pound frame would have a hard time sitting oh, inside it, that vehicle. I mean, as long as you had a really nice pair of Lululemons, I think you'd be you'd be perfectly fine in there. Yeah, hard pass, a hard pass. <laughs> I, I think uh, I, now I see the, uh, the your logic behind not wanting to do drag week in that vehicle. You're you're, you're a smart man. You're thinking ahead. I like that. Now, you know, I want to get kind of get where you know your thoughts on this. You know, where do you think radial tire racing is going? The radial versus the world is kind of fallen off significantly and pro 275 is in an interesting place you know where, where do you think it's going to go well and the the rvw stuff had i don't want to say that it's dead yet you know the this last race with uh, with no mercy seeing timmy miser win with a 367 or 368. Yeah, you didn't have Stevie Jackson there. You didn't have Melanie Salemi there. Uh, you didn't have Marcus Burt there. Uh, 
you, you know, the heavy hitters, if you will. But I really, I really think I'd love to see Donald still hold on to the RVW thing for his three races. I think that there's a spot for that uh, to just have the opportunity to go to smash the door car record. Uh, and, and I believe that he will try to do that at least once a year, uh, if not, you know, all three races. Uh, it would be nice. I mean, I, I've, I've got an RVW car going together. My, my, my pro mod that I wrecked last year at Woostock, um, we're hoping to have it uh, at the PRI show, possibly. Uh, but uh, if it if it's at Jeffers right now, getting painted, and then Jeff Hopkins is uh, scheduled to do all the airbrush work on it, if we can get the car done uh, in time for PRI. But uh, you know, I, I have aspirations to have that thing back. If not, then we'll run it in NMCA uh, Pro Mod, and then you know, hit some of the local Midwest Pro Mod stuff. But uh, that that series that Fuel Tech put together with you know, Donald and uh, Ozzy in the, the five race series. I really think that that's going to gel together nice for radial racing altogether. You know, you, you, and we circle back around to what you brought up in the Orska days, you know, Orska had that series and that's what drove everybody and collected people to follow that and chase them points and and run that deal i really think that this uh this fuel tech uh, radial tire series is is going to be a, a great thing uh really glad to see that stuff come together i agree it's it's one of those things where you talked about it for years and you wonder why isn't anybody you know brought that back and now that the way that donald's and those guys are doing it i think that's going to you know change it's going to help change radio racing again for a positive way it's going to be interesting to see how people approach it. Um, I think at times the problem with radio racing is it's not fan friendly because of all the track prep. That's yeah. that, that in my opinion needs to be addressed and would help immensely. How do you do that? You do less track prep or well, the cars won't be as fast. Well, you know what, then that might attract more people to commit, you know, it, sure. The, no, and Tyler's race at Shakedown, you know, whenever uh, – were you at Shakedown? I was not at Shakedown this year, unfortunately. Uh, well, at Shakedown, Tyler, you know, as we come through the gate, he he, he told us that, hey, you know, understand the, the, the racetrack that you're going to test on today is going to be what you, you race on. Don't expect this to be super sticky, you know, flypaper – uh, massive prep uh, racing surface. It's going to be what you have. And, and it was probably the most consistent racetrack. That wasn't, it wasn't super sticky and no massive uh, record breaking numbers by any stretch, but it, it, it really, you know, from a pro 275 standpoint, it tightened up the field. You look, you look at, the qualifying sheets of of that race and then through eliminations you know uh i think in 81 or in 86 won the event you know and uh uh we went i think we went 84 
and we were like number six qualifier. Uh, so it, it was it, it it was a neat event to have tricky surface that everybody had to adapt to. And uh, and if you go into the track and you know that from from the get go, and you know you're not, we've gotten I think we've all gotten spoiled going into. Uh, whether it's Bradenton with Wade's prep or uh, Orlando with Sydney's prep or Donald's races and, and uh, the abundance of glue. And you know, whenever you get into eliminations that you're going to be able to throw everything you got at it, or if you don't, you're going to be in second place. That's for sure. Um, it, it's, it, it does level the playing field. And I think, I think that that will attract some other cars, but, at the end of the day, uh, even if the track prep goes away some, uh, the cream's still going to rise to the top. I mean, the Manny Majingas, the Ken Cartuccios, the, uh, you know, the Jamie Millers, got my red hat mafia shirt on. Uh, <laughs> <Is> that- <laughs> them, guys, them guys are always going to rise to the top and be a race against Mo Hall. You, you, you know, you, you're you're not going to go to an event that they're at, and not have to race hard against them guys, have a chance. And uh, the Millers the same way. You know, Jeff Miller can come up at any time of the day and lay a world record down, uh, even on a dirt road. And you got to be prepared for that. And I think that's, again, what's going to, that's going to channel that inner Orsco once again. And I think it's, again, it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out and, you know, people are going to have to be judicious with how they approach this, especially with parts shortages, because they might not be able to play home run derby at every event. You know, it's, I think it's really going to separate the people that are good racers and tuners from everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and I, I, I hope so. And it, it, for the those smaller funded teams, uh, but the reality of you know any of these Radio Versa World Pro Two Seventy Five X Two Seventy Five LDR Ultra Street, you take any of them classes, and they are far from entry level heads up classes uh there are teams that are funded better than top fuel teams there you you know that have you're you know if it comes down to a home run derby and 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 running against guys with uh you know and i'll use i'm not funded nearly as good as some of the others but I'll just use my team and my my setup as as an example. We've got three transmissions. We've got two torque converters. We've got six rear end or center section. We've got three engines: one in the car, two in the shelf. Uh, you know, we're, we come prepared to make it through the event and whatever it takes to make it through the event to do that. And uh, I, I believe most of your top 10 cars that are out there in any of them categories are prepared in a similar fashion. Yeah. I, 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 I would feel that. 
Yeah, I, I'd buy that for a dollar. I, I totally agree that a lot of those, that again, the top shelf teams, you look at them, they, they, they basically bring a rolling shop and they're there to win. That's. Yeah. No, you've got, you've got your, you've got your paid tuners, you've got your paid crew and you, you know, we, we do ours more on a, a friend basis deal. I mean, we're just a bunch of buddies out there having a good time and trying to go fast and, and, you know, we've got the drive to win and, but, uh, and that's where I think that the series will kind of level some of that out too. You know, if we can go out and, and make a, make a, a, you know, claim a W or two and, and, you know, some of these events and have a shot at the championship, you know, we're not going to win every, every event, but if we can go out and qualify good, it'll be interesting to see how they set up the point series. You know, uh, I really like, you know, how the NMCA does their deal, you know, to where you you get your tech points and you get your qualifying points and and then your round points and your race win points and and then you can drop the race. And hopefully they 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 stay on that type of platform where it's not just the win that that gets you. Uh, points or, or the rounds uh, where that'll take me, you know, give the chance to some other people to at least be there. Cause I don't want it to get in a situation to where, you know, two races into this deal, the guys that are like, man, there's no way that we'll even have an opportunity to be in the top five or six. And, and it'd be cool, you know, for everybody in the top 10 to, to, get some recognition on that. I mean, I think MCA has done a great job in, in all of their classes of representing their, their, their racers that have supported their series and, you know, giving them acknowledgement and the, the awardsmen or banquet with their top 10 trophies and packets and, you know, the coverage that they've got on that. Totally. That's, I've, you know, participated in the NMCA series before with a guy crewed for, and by far that's, that's an example of how to, how to, to bring together heads up racing with other kinds of racing to make everybody feel awesome. And that, that's important. That's what keeps people coming back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, Mark, I always like to have a little bit of fun with my guests. And I had a question lined out for you that I was going to ask, but I just used a variation of it recently. So we're just going to go off script here and I'm going to have some fun. You can race any class you want. However, it can't be a door car class. It could be anything else. What are you going to race? Top fuel. Nice. You're just going to jump right in and say, let a rip tater chip. Heck yeah. Now, if I could, if I could convince my buddy Scotty Palmer to give me a seat next to Alex, uh, uh, we'd be uh, <laughs> we'd be riding side by side. I am sure with the proper level of coercion that he would let you do that. Or hell, he might let you drive that door car nitro pro mod abomination he's got. <laughs> or, or is that something where you're like, you know what? I like to party, but I don't like to party that hard. Yeah, I'm. I'm I'm a little more reserved than that. I don't know if I want to run that Studebaker or not. I was there the first night that he lit the lit the pipes in that thing at Sykeston, and uh, it's uh, that one's crazy. <laughs> I'd rather sit in front of the engine. 
Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it, it's funny. I think every time that car comes out, the, the NHRA just goes, "Please don't be the first three hundred mile an hour door car. Please don't be the first. Like, like it's it's gonna happen at some point. I think that's his goal. It's just to to he wants to see the mushroom cloud come out of their head. Oh yeah. Well, on that note, Mark, you know, I like to give my guests their opportunity to channel their energon force and thank all their sponsors and tell people where to find them out and what they got going on. So I'll turn the floor over to you, my friend. And so you can thank who you need to thank and tell people where they can uh, find more about your racing operation. Awesome. First and foremost, I'd like to thank my family and, uh, you know, my wife, she's very supportive of uh, all of our racing endeavors and taking care of the family while we're traveling and keeping the business in line, uh, uh, collecting checks and mapping necks and uh, keeping the guys in line here. But uh, Larry Jeffers race cars, uh, Chris Nelson competition, uh, handles our engine platform, uh, hearts, turbos. Uh, we've got fuel tech on board. They're, they're, they're a great, great help with our, our program. M&M transmission, uh, the white scope pistons, uh, uh, Turbo Smart, OO from Hyperactive. Uh, he helps out on the the keyboard and keeps the keeps the Corvette uh, making making laps down the track. And uh, uh, them are them are the people that uh, uh, help us out. Uh, Brent Sansusi and Chris Garadini, uh, my nephew Connor Lowe. Uh, they're they're all part of the team that uh, that keep us going. Jason at VP supplying us the fuel. Uh, uh, burnouts and go 210 miles an hour and uh we're uh, we're excited to roll into orlando street nationals and i uh, think we've got a a pretty good handle in the car and uh we expect to come out and be competitive and uh really take a shot at trying to win this uh, last race of the year awesome mark i appreciate you coming on the show of course i got to thank the people that make this possible for us at the performance distributors Airflow Research, ProCharger, Holly, MSD, Flowmaster, Mosier Engineering, Comp Cams, Fuel Air Spark Technology, Eldebrock, Manly, JE Pistons, and Dart. Marco's awesome to have you on the show and uh, hope to see you here down the road very soon. I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for having me, buddy.